Welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer. Hey, thanks for joining us for today's episode. The Unshaken podcast's purpose is to glorify God through regularly recorded podcast episodes that we release every single week. And we are aiming these at women to promote the truth of God's word as all-sufficient. And we also want to support the belief statements of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. I am so glad you are joining me for today's episode. This is episode number 87, and it's called Feminology Part 2. Hey, please take a minute and head over to your favorite podcast directory, like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. We are even on Spotify. You can subscribe to our podcast. It helps us out, and it also helps you out because you get notifications of all the new episodes that drop each week. Uh, You can always go back to our archives and listen to any of our episodes that you've missed, or you can even re-listen to an episode. Don't forget to follow all of our socials, Facebook and Instagram, under the name Women of the Word CTW. We have some fabulous content on there for any woman. This includes this podcast, reminders when episodes drop, and sometimes little interviews with the guests that I have on. We also have our Planted blog, which is full of amazing articles that point us to Christ and holiness. You've also heard me mention um, about our Regarding Him conference that's held each March. We often highlight those talks here on the podcast, and that also will be part of our socials. And lastly, we have our Mom-to-Mom ministry, which focuses on motherhood. No matter what your age, you can learn and grow from these mom posts. Um, They're great stuff out there for anybody. So head over and follow our account, Women of the Word CTW. That is in our show notes every single week. Don't forget we are releasing one episode per week, so you can easily find our episodes now with our new number system. Just look for the number of each episode next to the title. Super easy to find and super easy to share with a friend. And as always, if you ever have any questions about how things are going over here at Unshaken, you have ideas of episodes you want to hear about, you can email me at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. That's always also in our show notes every week. All right, welcome back this month, Sharon and Wendy. I'm so glad you're ready to join me again for another discussion on the topic. Actually, are you ready to join me in another discussion on the topic of feminology? We are ready, Julie. Let's go. All right. (laughs) Okay, but before I do, I always start by asking a couple questions just to kind of get the conversation rolling. Uh, Recently, I was subbing in the school where my kids go, and on the wall in the hallway was all of the first graders' projects, which I have to say are super adorable. Mm. Uh, some of them were, they were all about what these kids wanted to grow up and be. What do they want to be when they grow up? It was really funny. Some of them want to be major league baseball players or NBA superstars, you know? That's pretty common. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Some of them want to be a farmer and I live in a rural community, so that's also really common sense. or a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big one. A lot of, yeah. a lot of girls want to hold those dogs. You know, Maybe they... more attainable than yes. an NBA star. <laughs> okay. But one of them really made me laugh because it was a little girl who's really quiet and she had a picture of herself with all the supplies to be a DJ. <laughs> it was funny. so cute, and her picture was adorable. She had all these computers, she had headphones on, microphone speakers. I mean, she knew the whole thing. Um, she might actually grow up to be a DJ someday, I think. So ladies, uh, Wendy and Sharon, what did you got, want to be when you were a little girl? What did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, I always wanted to be a teacher. But when I was in junior high, I was in this like career counseling class, and we had to explore all these you know, a variety of different yeah. um, occupations. And I so think I took a class like that yeah, too. Yeah, it's really a wise thing. But I heard the words oceanographer. Oh, yes. Yeah. And advertising account executive. Yes. All right. So I know that an oceanographer, right, is going to be, you know, 
studying different wildlife in the, yes. in the ocean. But what in the world was I thinking in eighth grade <laughs> that I wanted to be this advertising account executive? It made no sense. But um, anyways, in high school then, I started to veer like into thinking I was going to be a psychologist. Okay. But it's funny how like my life has come full circle because I'm a homeschooling mom who has a tendency to kind of overanalyze myself <laughs> and other people too. <laughs> okay, well then you get to use all of That's those right, things. That's right, all of Just those talents. Just maybe not the oceanology. <laughs> Uh, right, unless there's something in the bottom of my pool that I right. need to examine. <laughs> right, right. That's funny. I, I would have wanted to be an advertising account executive so I could wear the classy clothes. I think that's what it was. It was the fashion. <laughs> How about you, Sharon? What do you want to be? Well, I wanted to be a teacher too. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I spent most of my childhood playing school with my little sister and two of her friends. So I was always the teacher and they were always the students. Ha, <laughs> ha. <laughs> My I'm mom, sure they loved that. Oh, yeah. I'm not thinking they did. My mm -hmm. mom, she bought me a chalkboard, and she bought me books that I could use. And I'd plan field trips. We'd go to the park and have picnic lunches. <laughs> That's so fun. I know. Now, I don't think they were particularly having fun, but I was. <laughs> so I'm guessing if I tracked them down today, they would say it was horrible, and I forced them to play school. But... I was a little older and bossier, so we played school. That's what you did then, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not proud of that, but yeah. That's so funny. I always wanted to be a teacher too. I mean, from the time I was little and went to kindergarten for the first time, mm. I would come home and my parents had a bookshelf full of National Geographic magazines that looked similar, you know? So that became all my stuffed animals textbooks. <laughs> I remember writing names and I didn't really know how to spell. And we found them later on in life and my, my family was just laughing at the names <laughs> I would make up. I would lay them on in my room. I actually um, even would, we had paneling on the walls. Oh yeah. Like dark brown paneling. Mm. And I learned 70s. that you could draw on that with chalk and erase it. Ooh. Now I did that until my brother came in and caught me. And then I was like, I'll never do that again. I promise, I promise. Cause he was gonna turn me in. And he didn't, and I never did it again. So it's interesting that we all had this desire to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Mm -hmm. um, which is great. Uh, now, Sharon, what did what actually did you go into? Well, I ended up becoming a pharmacist. Okay, and Wendy, how about you? A speech path. Okay. A speech pathologist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And for me, I actually ended up in teaching. So one out of three <laughs> works, right? There you go. Well, we all are teachers in yes, homeschooling. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Using our skills. Okay. I think everybody who's listening can probably think of a job or a role they wanted to do when they were a little girl. Um, actually leads me into the topic on today's podcast. We're gonna talk about roles, not jobs or careers that women can have, but the roles that we as women have as we reflect the image of God. See, God made us in a certain way and we need to understand how to live in the way that he made us. So we're gonna to spend today talking about feminology. This is our year focusing on biblical womanhood. And actually, every single month, the first episode of the month is going to focus on this particular topic on feminology. So right now for this month today and last January, February, and March, we're focusing on the image of God. So give me a little review session from our last episode. And I should say to all of our listeners, if you haven't listened to that one, head back to the first episode in January of this year and listen to it because it will be a great beginning before you get to this one. So give me some uh, important points from the last session. Okay, so Julie, first of all, um, we talked about man and woman were created in the image of God. Nothing else God created was made in his image. Okay, okay, yeah. good. Also, we said that men and women are made the same according to their own kind. Okay. But they have distinctions which make them uniquely male 
or female. Okay. Okay, and we also talked about the image of God in man was marred by sin, and we now have a sinful nature because of that. And that's important to remember. Yes. And then, talk. and then even more, if we believe in Christ, we are made new. Yes. And we are being shaped into the image of Christ. Yes. And that change takes place mm -hmm. from the inside out, which is totally contrary to focusing <clears throat> solely on the externals, which we dove into last time. Yeah. Okay, great, great. Those are great points to review. Um, but today we're going to go a little step further into the topic of image and specifically focus on the roles that God has given to women. So let's start with a good question. What does scripture say about the topic of roles for women? Well, reading Genesis helps us learn much about how God made us. And it also tells why he made us. It's been interesting to me as I have been studying in various parts in the, in the New Testament, how much of a foundation Genesis provides. And this has really solidified my belief that Genesis is true, as all of God's word is true. Mm -hmm. um, and that I can't just pick and choose what I think is real or or not, well, you that's, know, that's in the good, Bible. That's a good point to just say we should be reading the whole Bible. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Now, some might want to think that the creation story is just an allegory or, you know, just this cute little story that somebody made up a long time ago. But, yeah. mm -hmm. but when we believe that Genesis is fundamental to believing the gospel, of, we have to believe that Genesis is fundamental yeah. um, to believing that uh, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's all intricately connected. Absolutely. Now, with that said, we learn in Genesis that God created men and women with specific roles. And he did this before the fall. That's before they sinned. Um, these roles that God gave men and women didn't change because of the fall. And they also don't change once we're born again through Jesus Christ. Okay. It's always good to look at all of what the Bible says mm -hmm. and look all over the Bible. Uh, it's a good place to start. We could easily camp out on one verse, and I'm sure women can find one verse they love, mm -hmm. but we got to look at the whole thing. Right. So we have to see all of the concepts everywhere in the Bible, not just in Ephesians where it focuses on being a wife, for example, mm -hmm. but in Genesis at the beginning. So right. what are the roles that God ordained from the beginning for women? Well, Julie, if we go back to Genesis 2, we learn that God made woman to be the man's helper. This is a role that is amazing when you think that helper is an attribute of the Trinity, specifically the Holy Spirit. Hmm. There's so many ways the Holy Spirit helps us. So first of all, he helps us to see our sin and convict us, which leads to repentance and change. Hmm. We talked about this in the last episode about how this is a process and we'll always need to fight our sin. We're never going to arrive. Um, we also talked about the importance of reading your Bible every day. The Holy Spirit helps us to have an understanding of God's Word. And the Holy Spirit also helps us to discern the difference between right and wrong. Actually, between right and almost right, because mm -hmm. sometimes it's pretty gray. Mm -hmm. I've never thought about the Holy Spirit in that regard. Like, mm -hmm. what a great example that He is a helper to yes, us. Mm -hmm. He is. And as the Holy Spirit abides in believers and helps us, we as women can reflect God as we serve others by helping them. Hmm. So God wants, uh, I'll start that again. As the Holy Spirit abides in believers and helps us, we as women can reflect God as we serve others by helping them. Hmm. God shares his character with us in this way. So serving can be helping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. <clears throat> I love that. And that includes helping our husbands, our families, 
neighbors, church friends. It's interesting that actually what it does is gets my eyes off myself and onto other people. So helping is a great role for women. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we read in Genesis that God created man to be the leader or the head of the woman. And God created woman to be his helper. So I know that is not popular to talk about, you know, these days to talk about men leading their families right. and women helping them. Mm -hmm. um, even maybe some of the women listening to this podcast right now might be cringing. And yeah. I just want to encourage you to hang in there and hear about God's beautiful design. I used to cringe mm -hmm. hearing mm -hmm. that. So I, I understand that right. completely. Right. But even as we talk about different roles, we need to always keep in mind that men and women both are made in God's image and he has made us equal in value. Um, when things get turned upside down is when we want to think that because God gave men and women different roles, then we want to assume that one has more value than the other. Mm -hmm. But this is wrong. Men are not more valuable than women. Right. And women are not more valuable than men. We are both valuable in God's sight. And we don't need to compete for that gracious truth. That's really powerful. That really is a powerful statement that yeah. men are not more valuable than women and women are not more valuable than men. Right, mm -hmm. right. Great. So we know though that this truth is unpopular. It's yeah. unpopular in our world, but it's even unpopular in some churches today. Um, instead of seeing the glory of sharing God's attribute of helper with him, we reject that. And we want to break the glass ceiling and we want to dominate men mm. in every way possible. But I really want us to, I want to encourage us today to glorify God by agreeing with him yeah. and mm -hmm. his ways instead. Um, God gave specific roles to men and he gave specific roles to women. Mm -hmm. And that may be something new that someone is listening to didn't ever hear before. Right. It might be brand new. And I think anytime I hear something new that is pointed out in scripture, it's kind of like a process to get it. For sure. Mm -hmm. So hang in there. <clears throat> Stay That's with right. us, right? That's yeah. right. Okay, what is the product or the result of turning the God-given roles upside down, like you said, for women? What happens? Yeah, relationships um, become affected. Mm. Uh, they're, they're broken. They're hurt. You know, as you said, Julie, this this is something that, that you used to cringe at. Yeah. Well, so did I. I spent mm. most of my life believing feminism, but I I'm here to tell you that feminism lies to us. Um, I had believed that being a helper was beneath me and yeah. that it was archaic thinking. And that's what the world says it is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But over time, I began to see the lies of feminism exposed. And through this, I had realized that I was just being very selfish. I had wanted the world to revolve around me. But that kind of mentality causes a lot of trouble in our marriages and in our other relationships. So as God revealed my, my self-centered thinking, I confessed my pride to him and I asked him to change me. Mm. And this is a real process. He's still changing me. Yeah. Um, but as he's doing that change, he's giving me such a joy in helping other people. And um, you know, it's, it's a process where I'm still growing, but living for God and for other people is so much more beautiful than living for myself. And that's exactly what feminism tells us. You know, it's it's all about me. Live yeah. for me. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> demand your way or right. your rights. Demand yeah. your rights, yeah. I actually saw a quote recently on Instagram, so that must make it true, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it actually fits so well, though. It was like a, you know, a duh moment for me. Like, 
you know, you ever hear someone Lights say, on. I, yeah, <laughs> like the light went on, or someone says, I learned this today years old, Yeah, right? I was today years old. Um, okay, so um, I guess I was today years old when I read this and got the concept. So here's it, here it is. It was by Feminine Not Feminist on Instagram. You can probably follow her account if you want. Mm. She said, I think people get offended by gender roles because they subconsciously assign moral value to being a leader or being a helper. They think one is better than the other, but they're not. Both are beautiful, necessary, and good. Mm -hmm. I, I just loved that quote. Mm -hmm. It's so true. I mean, we assume <clears throat> leaders are better in some way. Um, right. They usually get out there more, right? right. People see their faces mm -hmm. more. But let me tell you, if, if every soldier was a sergeant, we would lose all the wars, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, a leader is really only as strong as his followers follow. Right. Um, she also quoted, reject this lie. Reject the lie that the only way to have influence or impact is to have power or to have that leader role. Because mm -hmm. we, as women, have great influence on our families. Mm -hmm. So so being a helper is the first role we're talking about today. What are the other roles that God has given to women? So another role is that of a nurturer. Um, a nurturer helps someone to grow, develop, and succeed. They provide food, protection, a place to live, and also train and teach ethics and integrity. Nurturing is caring, fostering, tending, rearing, and raising. Okay. Nurturer. What a word. It's that's hard a, to say. Yeah. I've yes, stumbled through that. Do you yeah. need some speech therapy? Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> she can help you. Okay. But it's not a normal word we have in conversation. It's not like we go, oh, sure, let's go nurture someone. No. But it is something that happens. But I'm really sure. glad you defined it for us because you helped us to see kind of some of the words that go with it, like caring, fostering, mm -hmm. tending, raising, you know, yeah. protecting, those things. Mm -hmm. When I think of nurture, the word um, life giver comes to mind. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so whether or not we're biological mothers, we as women are designed to give life in, yeah. in just so many ways. We're created by God to be nurturing and, and caring, especially for little ones or for weaker um, yeah. people. And I'm, honestly, I don't think there's a better visualization of being a nurturer or a life giver than uh, a woman having a baby. Yeah, yeah it's a good sure. visual. Sorry. If a woman is never a biological mother, we must still observe that she was made with the body to be one. Hmm. Our world might try to claim that people, not women specifically, can have children and I don't know if you've heard that term, they can chest feed their babies. Mm -hmm. um, but the truth is obvious for all to see. Scripture states this plainly and we know this intuitively. Women are meticulously designed by God to carry children and nurture them. Hmm. I have observed many men awkwardly holding a newborn. It's not <laughs> intuitive for them. Right. You guys laugh, it's obvious. Most men I know are not very fond of that very fragile stage. So I remember when we had our first baby, Mike's friend came over. We handed him the baby. His arms were like straight out, stiff as a board, <laughs> yeah. holding, holding Matthew Aww. with his hands. I'm like, huh. okay, you kind of got to pull him close, right. which comes naturally yeah. for women. You don't yeah. have to tell yep. him that. Um, I thought he was going to drop him. It was my first kid, yeah. so I was a little nervous. <laughs> um, so, I mean, God made men to wrestle and toughen up their kids. And men have lots of testosterone by God's design, which makes nurturing a little more difficult for them. Mm. And we're clearly different. That actually makes me think of my background in early childhood education. Um, in watching preschool-aged kids play, it's really interesting. Preschool mm -hmm. girls tend to play with baby dolls and yeah. all the paraphernalia that comes with it. You know, the strollers and the baby dolls and the blankets. Uh -huh. And boys are drawn to the box. 
and building things or ramming their cars, you know, into the strollers. Now, it doesn't mean that a boy can't play with a baby doll. That Mm -hmm. happens. And it doesn't mean I didn't see girls building with blocks. But Mm -hmm. just even in how they're playing, even before we teach them really anything, they, little girls, have a nurturing ability. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, you know how we were talking about how being a helper, how being a helper is an attribute of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I was thinking about how being a nurturer or a life giver also reflects the Lord, huh. um, and it really makes sense that those two roles that God specifically gives women yeah. um, that we're talking about today, um, that they would be also part of the Trinity because mm. we're made in his image. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's multiple scripture verses that speak to the characteristic of you know, nurturer or life giver. Um, when we are talking about God, um, obviously God is the giver of all life mm-hmm. and he's described as nurturing when we read of his compassion and the prophets described how God would comfort his people. Even Jesus spoke to Jerusalem in the Gospels saying, How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. you can just see Jesus just uh, just hugging, you know, just yeah. stretching mm-hmm. out his arms and just bringing in his people like a mother would. Um, these verses describe qualities of God toward his children. And these are present in fathers yep. mm-hmm. and mothers, but typically nurturing is much more of the pattern in women, like you were saying, Sharon, you know. Um, An example that I saw was in healthcare, where um, I used to work. Women were typically the ones who were more nurturing with the patients. Sure. We would have men in the rooms. We would have men and women both. But typically, women are going to be that pattern. And there's always exceptions to any rule. But the rule or the, the normal pattern is there, just like you were seeing the pattern in the children playing. Yep. Yep. That's the normal pattern. Um, it's there because God is sovereign and mm-hmm. he has created us to be like that, you yep. know, to fill those certain rule, roles. Um, there's so many people in our lives who, who we as women might nurture. You know, we have children in our lives, stepchildren. Mm-hmm. Uh, students in a classroom if you're a teacher or maybe we're caregivers for aging parents it's usually um, the daughter you know usually that is that is a pattern Um, feminism though brings about a hardness and a competition of women against men and this is just a rebellion against the beautiful way that that God has made women Mm -hmm. okay so why would there be a rebellion though like I don't understand what's behind all of this turning God's creation sort of upside down. Right. I mean, even listening to this, we were talking about cringing, right? Yeah. I mean, that is mm-hmm. a, that is that rebellion that's yeah. stirring up in us. Ah. And so earlier, I mentioned the fall. You know, when okay. Adam and Eve um, were tempted by Satan, they believed his lies, they disobeyed God, they sinned. Well, after that first sin happened, the serpent, the woman, and the man were cursed as a consequence. And now rebellion against God is sin that we all struggle with, mm. apart from you know Jesus' saving work. Specifically speaking of the woman, under this curse, we would now have difficulty following the man mm. because of our desire to usurp his authority. Okay, well, what does that look like? And, or what does that even mean, actually, like usurp authority? That is another word we don't use very often, I have to say. Yeah, it is a weird word. We're going to have to usurp. start using it every day. Yes. Yeah, you usurp. Just, Tell my kids, don't usurp my right. authority. Don't usurp your coffee. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> oh, sip. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, Julie, usurp means to take a position of power or importance. 
and is at the root rebellion against God and his created order. So God clearly commands that husbands are to lead in their homes. Hmm. So the curse on us as women is that we want to lead. There's a constant battle of wills, so to speak, in our homes because of this curse, which for us is to be in charge and take over. Um, so when we as women take over, we are in rebellion against God. Hmm. So this upside down order in a home causes disastrous results. So this is not to say that women have no input, input or say in the home. My husband always says a man is a fool that if he does not get input from his wife. Yet ultimately, the man makes the final decisions and he's responsible for those decisions that he makes. Okay, yeah. Actually, that's interesting because I know that my husband always wants my opinions on things. Mm -hmm. You know, I see things differently than he does, yeah. which is good. I'm in a different spot. And they, I mean, they say opposites attract. So that's probably <laughs> what it is. And we see things very differently. Yeah. Sometimes I will say to him something like, um, hey, I see this and it will change his perspective. But mm -hmm. sometimes it doesn't. Or he says, no, I, I want to go this way. And you know what? That's why I'm super comfy with his decisions. Um, because he does ask me my thoughts and he prays about his decisions and then he makes a decision mm -hmm. and sometimes he doesn't ask me my thoughts because it is a decision that he knows is best yeah um, but somebody has to make the final decision yes mm -hmm. and own it you mm -hmm. know yeah God's design is for our good um, it is helpful and mm -hmm. it's loving mm -hmm. and for us to insist on everything being 100% equal in responsibility and authority is absolutely guaranteed to end up in a clash of wills. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've heard the expression, too many, too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of expressions for this kind of behavior, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, God has designed the husband and wife relationship, and both men and women have distinct and important roles. A marriage where the wife is the boss leads to the husband being emasculated, treated like a kid and disrespected. Yep. God provides women with a head or like a covering, and that's actually a relief when we think about it. Um, husbands have that ultimate responsibility for their families. And we are each, you know, you want to remember, we're each responsible before the Lord for ourselves. Yes. Mm -hmm. But the husband also has a responsibility for his whole family. Yep. And so I hope that as wives are listening to this, that it, it hopefully makes us want to help him because yeah. that's a really heavy responsibility that he carries. Yes, it yeah. is. It is. So, Wendy, this concept, again, is clearly stated in Ephesians 5, and that says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And then skipping down a few verses at the end, it says, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Hmm. So as we submit or as we follow our husbands, we're helping him lead mm -hmm. us towards the Lord. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, he may make mistakes along the way, of course, but we can help him by trusting God and by listening to our husband's thoughts and maybe sharing ideas that he hadn't considered. Like you said, Julie, yeah. you know, we, we are women, they're men. We're going to have different, you know, mm -hmm. thoughts. Or perspectives. Um, yeah, different yeah. perspectives. 
um, we can help him by praying for him mm. as he leads and by respecting him and really encouraging him, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. If our husbands believe in God, you know, if they're Christians, then we can help them grow closer to God as we help in these ways that I've just mentioned. But if our husbands don't know God, so if a woman is listening today and her husband's an unbeliever, but she's a Christian, um, these same ways can still help yes. the mm-hmm. husbands, even an unbelieving husband. And prayerfully, through a woman who has an unbelieving husband, prayerfully, through her trusting God and helping her husband lead, that can win the husband to Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So husbands have a responsibility in the marriage too. They're called, you know, in that, in that Ephesians 5 passage, mm-hmm. they're called to love and cherish their wives as Christ loves the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and this includes things like not dominating his wife, Um, not speaking harshly to her, not ignoring her. You know, like you said, Mike Mm -hmm. would say a a husband's a fool if he's not um, getting input from his wife. You know, you don't want to ignore your wife. Mm -hmm. And and a husband definitely is not loving his wife if he's insisting that she follow him in sin. Mm -hmm. So if your husband does any of this, you know, you're listening today and you're like, but my husband is doing this and it's not, he's not loving me. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, then pray and seek help from a godly source like a pastor or a trusted counselor. Absolutely. Yeah. Good words. And let's remember that if we're married, our marriages are a reflection of Christ in the church. So if we're not content with our design by God to be a helper to our husbands, that will wreak havoc on our families. Mm-hmm. And Submission and respect are both very vital components for a God-centered marriage that reflects Christ and the church. Okay, this is really good conversation, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's hard to take something like this and put it into the practical. Right. Like, how do you live this out? So so what does submission look like in your marriages? You know, sometimes I hear submission, and and we talked before, it's cringy or it makes me bristle because Mm -hmm. it can come in where we feel like there's a domineering dictator-type relationship. That's what some people yeah. would say. Or like your husband's going to demand that you mm-hmm. do things and you have no input. So so how does it look like in your marriage? Wendy, why don't you tell us first? Okay. Um, well, I'll share a situation. Uh, so first of all, when I'm prone to fear, which is you know a sin that I have to fight, but when I'm prone to fear, this causes a lot of problems. Okay. And one specific example was when I, was how I responded when my oldest son first started dating. So initially, I was full of fear, um, and I focused on all of those worst-case scenarios, you know. Um, But my fear caused a lot of strife, and my husband was trying to um, lead me, but I didn't listen to him, and I definitely didn't follow him because I was just really struggling to trust him. Mm -hmm. And I know this is really a sad story. Um, But but it's a real story. It is. Um, As wives, we can have all sorts of reasons why we don't, like in our minds, we think I don't have to submit to my husband in this, right. um, especially if we think they're wrong. And yeah. of course, I I was feeling like he was wrong, you yeah. know. Um, but it was just a disaster the way that my fear was taking over. Well, then fast forward a few more years, and my second son started dating. Well, that fear started rising back up again. But this time, my husband was very firm, and he he was kind, but he was very firm in saying, we're not going down that fearful path again. Right. And so he was not going to let my fear cause all this strife in our marriage and in our, 
our relationship with our kids again. So he asked me to follow him and trust him as he led our son in godliness in mm. his relationships. And mm. so my husband, like I said, he was firm, but his love for me was so obvious. Mm. Um, he was really caring for us, for me and for our family. Mm. Um, I truly wish that submitting to, to my husband was more natural and smooth for me, um, but oftentimes it's like a, a wrestling match, yeah. you know? If it's yeah. not me wrestling my husband, it's me wrestling God, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, but God always reminds me that he is good and he is with me. So even if my husband were to make a wrong decision, God is always with me. Yep. If you are his child, if your husband, you think your husband's making a wrong decision, remember God is with us yep. and he's working all things together for our good. Mm -hmm. And that is a profound biblical truth that can really fend off fear. Yeah, like we should just say Romans 8.28 it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and yeah. certainly we don't want to be like, tried about it absolutely. Um, but, but absolutely it is powerful yeah. when we yeah. think that God is with us and he is working this out for yeah. our good and we that, can trust him that's a good truth to remember yeah. if you're in a situation especially yeah. if you're in a situation where you it's hard which I think most yeah. women would be in yeah it's hard to submit it's right. not easy right I think you're so what you're, is Romans eight twenty eight say Julie God works all, all things together, together for good for, for those who love God him. and are called, called according, according to his, his purpose, purpose. I right. wanted to bring that up so some people yeah. might not know that. Yeah. But that's, that's a great. Good. Yeah, definitely. Wendy, I think uh, your it visual of a wrestling match yeah. is actually very good. I mean, I, it's very, uh, it'll resonate with many women because I think it's easy to fear in mm -hmm. lots of situations. You had a specific one, but lots of women struggle right. with fear. I love how your husband actually helped you by leading you away from fear mm -hmm. and actually really leading you away from that sin. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, is good like yeah. he was out for your good right he led yeah. he led me by helping me yeah which is ironic yeah. yeah well julie it's really easy for me to submit when i agree with what the plan is oh yeah i yeah. agree <laughs> so it's it's kind of the stupid everyday stuff i get tripped on now i do get tripped on the big things too like wendy talked okay. about um wendy talked about a big thing but, but this is a daily thing too mm -hmm. so i'm not a great paint color picker outer I have to, I have to confess that I have so many gallons, I have so many gallons in my basement that are the wrong color. Oh, this sounds like some DIY projects. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of options. If anybody needs paint, you can come to my house first if you like one of my colors. I can sit there and spend weeks just like getting tons of samples. Oh. I'm sure the paint people, I come in and get a hundred samples. They probably look at me like, come on lady. So we redid our kitchen a few years ago. And I remember spending quite a lot of time picking out a color. Like I found the perfect color. Um, so I, I'm like, hey, Mike, what do you think about this color? He's like, uh, I don't like it. So I was like, really? So I had, you know, my hundred swatches sitting there. <laughs> he grabbed the stack and he literally picked out a color. And I'm not kidding, five seconds. <laughs> wow. And I was like, whoa. And he said, that's the one. And I was like whoa, how can you pick it that quickly? <laughs> and you know the best part, Julie, Wendy? He's colorblind. Oh my <laughs> so I was a little, yeah, beside myself. <laughs> so I literally dragged my feet to go get the paint made, and I was trying to convince him why that wasn't a good choice, and he insisted. He picked out a yellow, 
and I don't know about you, but yellow, like it can be loud. It's oh, hard yeah. to pick a yellow yeah. color. It can be daff, like, you know, not Daffy Duck, Donald Duck. Oh, it can be yellow. so many things and not the right thing. <laughs> so it was not a good scene. Well, anyway, so I went, picked, I had it made. It ended up being a fine color and it looks great. So he stepped in because I was literally wasting so much time finding the perfect color. So he kind of did me a favor and took that decision and owned it. And I was yep. free to focus on other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good example. I think there's a lot of, um, we think of submission often in big ways. And, yeah. and there are lots of big ways, but there's a lot of little things too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I actually have an example. Um, many times in my life, m my husband has just made a clear decision. And um, it sounds... You know, that sounds like what you needed, Sharon. And I actually, did. you needed that too, Wendy. Like, mm -hmm. this is a decision. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I homeschooled my kids, my oldest son was in eighth grade. And I'm telling you what, eighth grade boys, we butted heads every single day. And I'm not teasing you. If I said, okay, do your math first, he, he'd go, I want to do my English first. If I said, do your English first, he'd go, I want to do my math first. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would try. I felt like I was always dancing around how to make him happy. His desk was a mess, which also drove me crazy. <laughs> And honestly, honestly, neither one of us were having any fun that year. We were fighting every day. Now, my husband, from a distance, saw this issue. And he prayed about it, which is something he does all the time. And then he came in and corrected my wrong thinking. See, I was wrongly thinking that homeschooling was kind of superior or the only way to train up my right kids. I had some blinders on. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see that there were any other options. And so my husband did two things. First, he prayed, like I said, and then he showed me other options, and he, he, and he pointed out that there could be other things. Um, he helped me take my blinders off, right? Mm -hmm. And um, training your kids doesn't mean that everybody has to school the same, and I needed that like piece of truth. Mm -hmm. I remember him saying that God would go with Jacob into a public school because God is everywhere, which is also another piece of good truth. Yeah. So Jacob went. I battled my fear. I actually, in my mom failure, I felt like a failure at homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And my husband continually said, no, this is just a decision that I made. He mm -hmm. owned it. And um, actually, uh, the school that he went to was an engineering-based school. And it was free, which was also mm -hmm. lovely. Yeah. And actually, God's blessing is, uh, is really prevalent in mm -hmm. this. Um, my son is actually working as a control engineer. And he and I actually have a really good relationship now. We're mm -hmm. not fighting over math and English anymore. Mm. And God used my husband's eyes and wisdom to lead me through that pretty difficult challenge. And I'm really grateful, mm -hmm. really grateful. And one more thing I have to say, I could have actually dug my heels in mm -hmm. and demanded that we not send him to school. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty strong, but I actually made a choice to be strong in submitting and following my husband's lead. <clears throat> And God graciously gave me a soft heart. And as Proverbs 31 says, a heart that trusts in our husband, which was totally from God because I didn't have, I didn't really want to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that is interesting to hear some different examples. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's so many more. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, we should do a series on how we, <laughs> the ways we've not submitted and oh, how we dear. had to change, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we, the three of us, are all married. And we've each been married maybe 25, 30 years each. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something that we can apply in our marriage. I'm not saying that it's easy to apply. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. But we, we can. But what does this look like for a single woman? Because we probably have some single women oh, yeah. in, in all kinds of ages that are listening. Right. Well, God has made women to be helpers and nurturers regardless of our age or marital status. Um, so my young teenage daughter is called to live out these roles just as I am. Hmm. 
She can serve at home or at church or at school, and she could be a helper to other students or her teacher. And if an adult woman never marries, she can be a helper to her friends or her employer, to her church, really anybody. Mm. Um, she can nurture nieces and nephews, children at church. Neighbors. Or neighbors, yeah, yeah. Those are all great ideas. Or friends, kids. Right. Oh, yeah. definitely. You kind of become like the, the you know, second extra aunt. Second aunt. Yep. Yeah. 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 When a woman is single, she's not bound to her family in the same way as a married woman. Um, she may have more opportunities to help others or to minister to them. And, you know, when, when I think about single women, I think about women in the Bible who were so instrumental in helping Jesus and the early apostles, you know, in their ministries. Mm -hmm. Some of these women were single. Others were married. But all of them were so important to these men's ministries that God mm. even mentioned these women by name. Yeah. yeah. But what we're talking about here in this whole feminology series, it's so oppositional to the world's narrative. Yeah. The world encourages women to be all about what's good for them. Serve yourself. And um, yet how a godly woman is called to live is all about serving God mm. and others before yourself. Mm. This is true for single women. This is true for married women. And it's true for women of all ages, from the youngest of our, of our daughters to the oldest of the women yeah. that we know. Mm -hmm. We're, we are helpers and nurturers when we put others before ourselves. Mm, that's good. And that's really helpful because this isn't just a call to married women. Right. Yeah. This is a directive, a command from God to all women. Mm -hmm. Are there other roles? I mean, like, are there other, uh, are these the only ones that we're going to talk about? Well, some of the other roles that we see God giving to women are found in Proverbs 31. She is to be industrious, hardworking. She is strong and cares for her household. And we plan on talking about these in future Feminology episodes. Okay, good, good. Yeah. So we're going to touch on other ones. Yes. The first episode of each month. So be sure you yes. pay attention for when those drop. So to sum up what we've discussed, what are some of the take-home points? Well, God's design for us as women is perfect. Okay, he, good. Yeah, he has provided all that we need to walk in the roles he's given us. Mm -hmm. And when we obey God and do what he says, we're going to have fulfillment and joy. Mm -hmm. And as we consider others better than ourselves by nurturing and being helpers, no matter what season of life we're in, God is going to be glorified and made known. Mm -hmm. And our homes will be in order as we nurture children and help our husbands. Our marriages will be as God designed them to be. And God gave us these roles for our protection and for our good. Hmm. Just like we both talked about, all of us talked about when we submitted. It was for our good and it yeah. helped us. We all just shared how submitting to our husbands when we didn't necessarily agree brought freedom for us and also solid direction for our families. So if you're listening today and maybe you see ways you're not being a nurturer or a helper, hmm. ask God to help you. Pray. Hmm. Start with something small and focus on that. Have these roles of nurturer and helper in the forefront of your mind. And think of concrete ways you can help and nurture those in your care. Yeah, I, I actually <clears throat> would add that in anything like this, when we want to learn to grow, it's process. Right. Yep. It's a right. process. It's not a light switch. I've said that multiple times. It's not mm -hmm. like, boom, oh yeah, I'm a nurturer now. Yeah. Right. I mean, we already are nurturers because God designed us that way, but we can become better at it, right? Yes. So maybe we need to start with one or two things. We yep. can grow you know? in that role. Yeah. Yep. 
God's word gives us the wisdom to understand the roles that he's given yes. men and women. Mm -hmm. And we as women, we're called to be helpers and nurturers. Uh, because he has created boundaries around what a woman is to do, then I, I need to keep this in mind if I feel like he's calling me elsewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't say, I don't feel like God is calling me to be a helper. Right. Or I don't feel like I'm a nurturer. Right. Um, we may, it's always good to base things on your feelings, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. we may have all sorts of talents and gifts, but we are not to use those abilities in roles that God has not given us. So if you feel like God has given you the ability to lead others or to teach, then go look in the Bible to understand the roles and boundaries that God has instructed for women. Right. Mm -hmm. Because women can lead, yeah. but just seek the word to understand who they can lead and how. Mm -hmm. These rules for women are not bound by various cultures and times. That tends to be one of those, you know, like rebuke, you know, those rebuttals. Like, yeah. but that mm -hmm. was that was the Bible times, right. or yeah. that was the Bible culture. Uh, these roles are bound only by the orderly headship that God created in the garden in Genesis. God is not going to call us to a role that he has not designed us for. I love the word boundaries that you mm -hmm. said because that's really what <clears throat> submission is. It's God giving us boundaries for protection for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think like when we drive on the road, yeah. we follow those boundaries. Like yeah. we don't run through a stop sign because right. we know it's for our good. Yeah, so it's we need a, to... It's that whole stay in your own lane. Yeah, you know? we need yeah. to think yeah. that way. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I have a word picture that keeps coming to my mind along with that whole oh. stay in your lane, you know. So I've been thinking about how God has designed women and the roles that he's given us. And so this word picture keeps coming. Um, it's a picture of being in a school play. Okay, I love so yeah, so I was in when I was in high school. I I participated in the school plays, and um, the drama coach would assign each student a role in the play. You know, you right. you know after the auditions, you'd go and you'd see what role you got, and when you when you are assigned a role, you need to learn the lines for your character. You need yeah. to learn how this how this character acts and how they interact with other characters as well. Well, as I was thinking about this, these roles, I was thinking about like, what if I just began playing another character's role right. instead of the one that I was given? And if I did that, like during a school play, the whole cast would be confused, yes. you yes. know? And, and the character whose role I had taken, they wouldn't even know what to do. They'd be right. like, what? What am I supposed to do now, right? So, and of course the drama coach would have to keep reminding me to stay within my role and not play another person's yeah. role. Mm -hmm. And I just really believe that is such a picture of a woman who does not listen to God, our creator, in yeah. how he has made us and designed us. God has given us roles that we can embrace and that we can thrive in. Mm -hmm. And he's given men roles that we do not want to compete for yeah. or take mm -hmm. from them. So ultimately, I hope that through this series on biblical womanhood, you know, the series that we're calling Feminology, I hope that we are all encouraged to believe that God is good and that his design is good for us through the roles that he has given us. Yeah, that's great. That's a great word picture, Wendy. And it's good to kind of think through that because sometimes we, um, we just hear a word and we immediately know, think we know what it all means. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's good to kind of break it up. And that's yeah. kind of what we did today. We talked a little bit about what those roles are and how that works. And I think it's so helpful to kind of stop and pause. And maybe as you're listening today, you're thinking, I don't know if I agree with all of this. Well, take some time to pray about it. Yeah, and, and go to the Word. Yeah, I was just going to say, usually yeah. when I, I hear something or I'm reading something, 
um, wherever I hear whatever I read in the Bible that morning shows up in my yeah. day somewhere. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's a really good step for everybody to do next. And hey, thanks for sharing today, you ladies, on Feminology Part 2. Um, it's really good to pause and ponder these topics. Um, we know our world is changing constantly, morphing, and honestly, I think deliberately sabotaging things in our homes, right? Our roles. Yeah. So it, it is good to be aware and fight this. Um, hey, let's view our culture through the Bible. Just yeah. like we just said a minute ago, let's use the Bible as our, as our plumb line or our, our, our guidebook to know how to view rather than viewing uh, the Bible through our culture, which is what a lot of um, people do. And it's even more than important than ever in our world. Hey, Wendy and Sharon, thanks so much for coming on today. It was just really great to talk with you about these things. Are you going to be back? We will be back next month. All right. We will be here. That sounds like that. There was a movie. I will be back. I'll be I'll back. Be back. Yeah, so you'll be back. But we will, we will not be talking about the Terminator, but we will be talking about more <laughs> feminology uh, in Application. March. Yep, yeah. the first yeah. Thursday in March. Um, Wendy, do you think you'd close us in prayer today? Okay, thanks. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, um, we, we do want to glorify you. And we are so grateful that you are our creator, our father, you're good. And your design for us is good. Mm. Help us to embrace being a helper. Help us to embrace nurturing others and caring for others more than we care for ourselves. Mm. And I pray, Father, that um, our relationships would, would grow and develop and be fruitful and that we would glorify you and others in the world would see you more. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, amen. On our next episode of Feminology, which is part three, that drops the first Thursday in March, we will talk about how to live practically as an image bearer of God. We've talked a little practicality today, but we're going to talk even more next time. And I guess here's where the rubber is going to really hit the road. <laughs> how do we live this out each and every day? Because it's great to know it, but how do we live it? Now, on our next episode that's going to come out next Thursday, we are going to talk about gratefulness and thankfulness. I wonder, do you ever struggle with being thankful? Okay, who could actually honestly answer no, right? We all need reminders. So we are going to be talking about that next week, and it is going to be a great conversation, even though it's not even Thanksgiving right now, right? <laughs> oh, and remember that when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.